hashtag no music no intro we have a very very special episode of the saints block party podcast that we're recording thursday night the man the myth the legend himself ross jackson of locked on saints is joining our podcast i was telling ryan i was like man i i don't know why it's it's taken us so long to get Ross on. Like we've been doing this podcast for three plus <laughs> years now. And this is our first time having Ross on. Yeah. Ross used to live in so I live and we didn't live so far away from each other. Now he lived in New Orleans. So that's on mm-hmm. me that we didn't link up before he moved to Louisiana. So I apologize, but just out the gate, Ross, we just want to give you some love. Uh, just thank you for being to just gracing gracing our podcast and coming on it. And man, this is this is yeah. dope, man. Like this is this is really dope and really special. Please, man. For me, I I get to wear the badge of honor here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, I've been wanting to come through and, and and kick it with y'all and chop it up with y'all for a long time. So I, I really appreciate the uh, the invite. Looking forward to being able to do this. And I just want to say real quick because it, it, it's a Saints podcast, it right? But like. Look at this melanin, though, Bruh. Look at all this. You, melanin. You took, I love it. You still, you still. I love I, it. I had it. I had it. I had it all synced up to say it, bro. But of course, Ross, being the guy that he is, he had to steal it from out. I, I ain't mad at you. Though. I know you, you too far ahead in the game. But I just wanted to say, like, even before we start talking about football, Saints, like, like, look at this, man. Like, you have I three it, men of color, black man. Yes, we're talking about the Saints, but. It wasn't too long, and I know it kind of caused like a little like a, a uproar when I brought it up on Twitter. But I think it was like last year, last year Senior Bowl, and you know, a certain picture went out on social media of like you know people who were covering the Senior Bowl for the Saints, and mm-hmm. I, I said something about it because at that at that point, the only people in the picture that people of minority were Josh Hendricks and and Ron Juan Walker. I don't even know if Ron was even in the picture, mm-hmm. and it just. It just stood out to me. It was like, man, like this is New Orleans Saints. And this, keep in mind, I'm saying this. This is nothing against people who cover the Saints or anything like that. Right. All I was saying is that you have a team in New Orleans, a highly predominant culture and population that are black. And like the reflection mm. of that picture post Senior Bowl. I don't know if it was last year's Senior Bowl. Maybe it was 2021 Senior Bowl. I think it was. The, yeah, I think it was like February a couple yeah, years ago. So I think I was in LA for the Super Bowl. For yeah, it. that sounds about right. And I just said something Everything. about it, and it, it, you know, as it does, it ruffles feathers and whatever. But like you know, if you you support us, and you've always been a big advocate for us, and we just we just gonna say we gonna keep shit real, right? That this is who we are. Um, we are not tied to any type of media credentials. We're never ever gonna be tied mm. to any type of media credentials. And that's okay with us. But to just have this podcast happening is it's meaningful and it's impactful. And, it, and it's anyone who's listening to this, who may be a person of color who are younger and might not think that, you know, getting into the media industry isn't for you. Like, don't listen to that. It's like, don't listen to that. It's all yours. It, it is. It's you all got to make it what it is. Ryan and I do this. This is not our primary job. We do this as it became a hobby but now it's become an actual business for us ross's mm-hmm. media credential working with locked on saints like there's so many opportunities for people out there that want to get into the business or whatever it is it doesn't have to be sports it could be whatever it is and then i That's just it. i just wanted to point it out because i thought about it earlier and just it really hit home of how of how cool this moment is yeah yeah i'm right there with you homie and we're all bald yeah, we're all bald too just Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that, that's that's other. That's that's because we're black. We're and I just that's wanted, the, I wanted to stress. add the main reason I never came at Ross about getting on. You always working, bro. Like every time I, 
Like you, you dropping a video. If something happens, you got a video out like fifteen minutes after. I was like, I'm not even about to burden this man with coming on our podcast. No, no burden, no, no burden at all, man. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. And I, w- but yes, I, I do, I do try to be there and 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 you know be there at the moment that is necessary oh. for sure. So, um, so I hear you. I appreciate that. And we want to like anyone who listens to Locked On Saints or just like all you see for from Ross of. of his his content talking about the saints like that is like the genuine person of just being a good dude like that's him like we ryan and i uh, i met with ryan or with ross the first time last year at the senior bowl and all the all mm-hmm. you see that comes through his videos and his podcast that's just who ross is and it's this is an industry where whoever someone is may be who they may portray on a camera may be completely mm-hmm. different than who they are in, in actuality and that's not ross that he is who he is he's a good dude we are going to cut it Thanks, up. Man. And, of course, like, I was so excited, stoked about this podcast. Like, we're going to talk about <laughs> training camp. There might, there's some hope. There's some optimism. And it mm. act in the most saints-like manner. Just boom. Ryan and I had a very extensive podcast about this earlier, you know, earlier this offseason when they brought John Gruden in earlier. Like, I was just irate. It was just so, just like this, like, this team doesn't get it. And, you know, DA kind of brushed it along, blah, 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 whatever. And then it's like, well, you thought that was going to be it. Nope, nope, nope. Right. John Gruden, reported by Jeff Duncan, will be visiting the team tomorrow on a Friday. And it's just one of these things where, and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to completely say it's just a under this regime type of thing in terms of like their thing. But I, I've said this before on this podcast, and I kind of stand by it, is that, you know, Dennis Allen kind of feels like he needs to win now, right? Like he has mm-hmm. no recourse but to win and whatever, you know, monoscule of more, you know, morals that may be associate, associated with it may not be like attached to it because it's like, if, if we can get this person in this ex coach that knows Derek Carr and can help us win, then we're going to do it. I know you did a segment about it. Just, you know, chop it up with us in terms of just when you saw that news, what, what stood out to you? Yeah, yeah, this is a an interesting storyline. It's one of those storylines that I, I never try to shy away from stuff like this because, look, like this is this is important stuff, and like this is kind of that intersectionality of being a sports fan, but also feeling safe about being a sports 100%. fan. And sometimes that's like, especially for women who are who are NFL fans in particular, like that is such a tough conflict that they have to strike. You have Man. to fight to be a fan Ooh. sometimes as a woman, <clears throat> and you shouldn't be in those situations. And so with this, this is kind of just a another one of those reminders of that i mean like let's be real like john gruden effectively resigned in disgrace because of the emails and things like that i don't care how long ago the emails were the emails were the emails right. and that's just right. what that is like if you if you behave a certain way it doesn't mean you get to get away with it there's no statute of limitations on on racist homophobic and <laughs> no misogynistic right. stuff like this, you would, you would think not <laughs> right and so so i get it 100 percent. and and like my personal feelings around it are kind of like what's the point like what what why would the optics of this be something that is worth it because ain't no way in 2024 at the beginning of the year we're looking back and going man thank goodness they brought john gruden in for four days right. like that's right. not gonna happen you know what i mean and so i don't fully agree with the saint strategy here but i understand what it is they're trying to do it's kind of like the old chris rock thing i'm not saying i agree but i understand like that whole thing and so when i look at it 
from that perspective of it, it's exactly what you mentioned. Like this is a team that wants to win. Has and if they win. feel like this is going to, yeah, that's going to give them this little bit of an edge to get them closer to that. Derek Carr believes that his best years were with John Gruden. Um, you know, and the Saints system isn't too far away from what a John Gruden system has always been. You can't bring Sean back to help him out. Drew is not interested in coaching, it seems like. And so who are you going to go to, right? You got to go to a guy like this. And he's the only one that's available. He's the only one that you can tap that's not in the league right now, affiliated with another team and say, hey, come in and work with our quarterback. And so that's what they're doing. They're doing it because they feel like it's going to give them an edge over on the offensive side. And personally, I disagree with it, but I I understand what it is that they're trying to do. I I just don't really see how a couple of visits with John Gruden is really going to put this team over the top. Like, I don't think any of us are ever going to look back and go, well, that was John Gruden right there that did that. Like (laughs) if the new Orleans saints offense turns around, we're giving that credit to Derek Carr. And if the, and if the offense turns around, we can give some flowers to Pete Carmichael too, but I don't think that we're going to be handing anything out to John. Gruden. I, I, I'll let, and I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll let Ryan give his thoughts, man, this Mm -hmm. second visit on a Friday, I'm, like I, I know how NFL teams are sometimes. I wonder, and I have this is no inside knowledge at all, right? I have I've been too busy to even ask certain ask Saints questions. But is this like a softening up of like, like we, we, he's not affiliated with the team right now? But would it yeah. like so completely shock you? Just like oh, John Gruden's being hired by the Saints as like this special you know, offensive coordinator, senior, and like, I, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Oh, Not, no. one Not one bit. Not wouldn't one bit. Not one bit. I think the only thing that may be holding that back, I don't know if it would hold him back because, you know, there are coaches that have sued the league and been employed at the same time. But I know, mm-hmm. uh, I know Gruden does have like a case going against the leagues and they, yes. they, you know, tried to get rid of him by leaking those emails or whatever. Um, and, but I guess I just keep wondering, like, is all the Saints kind of being used by him mm. to kind of get his toe back in the league? Because face it, the dude loves coaching. He mm. loves being a part of the NFL in some facet, media, on the team, whatever. He has to be a part of it. So I'm wondering if he's kind of using the Saints just to get his name out. Just to be around, mm-hmm. like, just to get his name out. Look, he's just kind of softened the blow. And then, you know, maybe another team will come call it or whatever. I wonder if that's the case. Because I know DA has, like, a ton of respect for Gruden um, for some reason. And, look, he was a great – he was a good coach in his time. He has all the, you know, feathers on his cap. So I can understand. And we know how these uh, NFL coaches a lot mm-hmm. of them think. 80% of them probably see nothing wrong with the emails. Like, just like – they're probably like, what, what's Man, the big probably, deal? Probably close to like My dad 90. talks like That's that. probably close to like 90, bro. Like, I think that's understood. <laughs> So, like, let's just, just keep it buck here. Right. But I'm just wondering what's the – because it just can't all be, oh, we're just trying to help Derek Carr. I, I, like, what are you doing? Like, what is John Gruden doing there that's helping Derek Carr right now? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It could be true. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that uh, – I think there is some truth to it. I'll be honest with you. I think that there's some truth to it to how it does help Derek Carr. But I think that it's – I don't want to call it cosmetic, but that's kind of what it feels like. Mm, Like it's a cosmetic help. It's Mm. not something to where like all of a sudden, like the one thing that you could say is that, okay, John Gruden can help Derek Carr translate 
the offense that he had in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. the offense that he has here in New right. Orleans. But Derek Carr can do that. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. He has. Like we've we've watched him throughout these training camp practices right. get in and out of the huddle. Like there's no there's no cadence slip. There's nothing like that. Like he's done a good job with all that. And so I I, I would say that maybe that's a place where John Gruden could help. But but what I really think that it is is that it's like a it's almost just like a hey, here's a here's another resource and here's another length that we're willing to go. Like we'll take all of this criticism and we'll take all of these bad optics and we'll take all the people asking these questions and some of that because we're bringing John Gruden into our facility, but we're doing it because it's going to make you more comfortable. And so it's kind of like how Sean Payton just recently went after Nathaniel Hackett right. yeah. to kind of back up Russell Wilson. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's Dennis Allen and the New Orleans Saints doing something that maybe is going to get them some backlash, but they're not worried about the backlash. They're worried about how does this make our quarterback feel and can this help to make the quarterback more? And then they get to also say like, hey, look, we don't care about any of that. We're not worried about any of that. Block out all the noise. We're here to help you win games. Like maybe there's a little bit of a play in that. I I I hundred percent get that link. I just want to bring up if that if that's what the link is, and I I could hundred percent see why it, that would be the way. Did anyone think of like the timeline of this? Because AK, <laughs> like I, just just be I'm gonna be real. You AK just went and met with Roger Goodell yesterday. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, someone in the team thought it was a good idea. And this is not me advocating or, or being a fan of John Gruden coming in. It, it is what it is. So I have to mm-hmm. speak on it. Someone thought that AK meeting with Goodell on Wednesday, followed by two days later, John Gruden, the man that resigned and is suing the NFL, is coming in two days after that. Did, did they not even like maybe schedule like a week later or like the week before? <laughs> oh, I, that's some, that's some, that's some, that's some, well, look, we're on, the bad boys of the NFL type attitude. Is what right. is. The bad boys, that would be like something like Sean would do, but like Sean, yes. like, but Sean at that point had like earned that respect to do some like bucking the trend towards the league. This is DA, bro. You don't have a winning season on your, on your record so far, bro. And you're the star player of the offense. You're hoping that maybe he doesn't get suspended or at the most. He maybe gets four games, but you're gonna be like, all right, go talk to Goodell on Wednesday, but we're going to bring in someone suing you two days later. I just, the, right, it's not, right. it's not smart. <laughs> it's not smart. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't want to, I, I won't stay too long on the, on the Gruden thing. Cause I could make another whole podcast out of it. And this is not what we're doing. <laughs> uh, training camp, training camp, training camp. Um, yeah. Obviously, Ryan and I aren't there. Ryan uh, and I utilize your observations, John Hendricks's observations about what you're seeing, players who are standing out, things you're noticing, rookies, all that. Um, so I'm just going to throw just a general training camp question at you. Yeah. What offense, defense doesn't, doesn't matter. What's been like your biggest takeaway in this year's in this year's training camp under Dennis Allen with this year's Saints roster? Yeah, I, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is that it's very very clear that this team at this point this year is much better than it was at this point last mm. year. Mm. At this point last year, we saw a lot of misconnections, and I'm going to talk about misconnections about like incomplete passes and things like that, like the way that we would generally think about it. I mean, like you know, we saw a lot of false start penalties throughout mm. training camp. We saw a lot of these like jumping off sides penalties during training camp. We saw them have to reset a ton. We saw maybe like miscadences or issues with you know snap counts and things like that. Like 
that was a big thing that we saw throughout a, a large portion of camp. This year, it's been entirely different. And it's not only been entirely different just because it's been Derek Carr, but like Jameis hasn't had any of those mm. issues. Um, Jake Hayner hasn't had any of those issues on the quarterback side. We've had some, you know, centers not snapping the ball and the rest of the offense kind of goes. That happened during OTAs at one point to where like if the, if the whole offense moves except for the center – Everybody knows whose fault it is. Yes. And so, like, you, you know, you kind of get that. But, you know, there's been a couple of those maybe little miscues and things like that that have happened here and there. But it, it is not at all to the extent of where it was last year. And I do think that the execution and ability of this team to be able to move its offense has proven to be a lot more fluid and a lot more, uh, I'll say, consistent uh, over the course of this training camp than it was at this point during last year's training camp. And that's not to say that the defense hasn't been performing as well because the defense just dominated like two days ago right. uh, during during these training camp practices. So it's a lot of back and forth, a lot of, to borrow the phrase, like iron, iron sharpens iron. I know it's cliche, yeah, but right. it's a big part of what it is that you want to see from guys like Marshall Lattimore and Michael Thomas battling and all these yeah. other things. So I think the thing that I, I, I would say is the biggest takeaway for me so far is that this team is better than it was at this point last year. And so hopefully that leads to week one through week 18, this team being better this year than it was week one through 18 last year. I don't know if you're able to kind of recall last year, but um, it seemed like to us on the outside, it seemed to be like a, I don't want to call it lackadaisical, Mm -hmm. but it was just kind of like, we're the New Orleans Saints, you know, we're good. Yeah, Sean Payton gone, but it's the same team. We all good here. Everything fine. And it just didn't – I didn't – I don't know if I saw the urgency. And that could have been something mm-hmm. I was projecting. But it just – that's just how it felt. Compared to – I'm sorry, I'm fighting with my light right now. Um, <laughs> no, compared good. to uh, – <laughs> compare that to this year, do you see any difference? Is it – but is, or is it kind of the same? Like, how do you feel about it when you look at just the urgency, the, the how the, how they're battling offense versus defense during the, you know, during the periods? How yeah, is it coming sure. off to you? Yeah, I think you see a lot more intensity and urgency. Mm. So I think it's a little bit of both. And then, so I'll give two examples of that. On the defensive side, the intensity and the urgency comes from just talking trash. I mean, every time this defense does one thing right, which they've been doing a lot of things right, <laughs> but every time they do one thing right, the opposing offense is hearing about it for the next like six minutes. And I'm not even talking about just like while that team is on the field. I'm talking about their like second team is on. And the first team defense is still shouting over the first team, over the second team, you know, offense and defense to let the first team offense know we just ran y'all off the field. Love that, man. So I think that like that kind of urgency and that kind of intensity is really good. Demario Davis is a big leader of all that, of course. Demario Davis is a man of God, but he will talk some trash on those on that field it is he is wild funny uh when it comes to all that and over on the offensive side i think the sense of urgency comes from their precision and their in their attention to detail Mm -hmm. so um you know we watched a couple days ago to where mike and michael thomas and uh Derek carr missed on a route and so after practice they ran that route and hit it and drilled it and drilled it and drilled it and drilled it it until they were both. And then they would come together and they would say, okay, how are you seeing it? How are you seeing it? What do I need to do differently? How can we adjust? All right, why don't we do it this way? Blah blah. And then they run it again and they talk and then they run it again. And then they talk. Same thing goes with Chris Olave. We saw it all the way back during OTAs. Same thing goes with Rashid Shahid. So there's just a high level of expectation and standard with Derek Carr and with all of these receivers and all these pass catchers. I don't think there's really any exception to that, that like every person, if they miss something during training camp, they don't 
just say, ah, oh, well, we missed that one, which is mm. kind of what happened last year to where it was like, dang, hang my head. And then we go back and we do the next snap. They run it and drill it and drill it and drill it. So that when they come back tomorrow or they run that play again, you know, if that happens on a Tuesday, they run that play again on a Friday. Their expectation is that when we do it on Friday, we, we're straight. Like we got what right. we need and we'll be able yeah. to get it done. So I think those are just two smaller examples, but I do think that they're pretty solid examples of just how this team is treating itself and its standards a little differently this year. Man, that's it's encouraged. It's encouraging to hear that as as a fan. It's also encouraging. Like Ryan brought this point up with Derek Carr is just that he is. This is nothing against Jameis or anything like that. He just brings a sense of just being like a professional NFL quarterback to a team. So I like the signing of him. It just has brought like a sense of calm over the team, but also not just a calm. Mm-hmm. The the willingness to say like we we can't rest on our laurels. Like we have to be yep. good to win. And so as a fan, that's encouraging to hear. Um, let's going over to the defense. It's, it's kind of hard to get a sense of things as they're going against the same players kind of continually. Uh, but I did want to know that it's been brought up about the pass rush or lack of pass rush and how that is a concern um, heading into the season. It seems like there's been some encouraging things that, you know, that's been reported about the mm-hmm. defensive line and the pass rush. How are you seeing that from your observations of, of your attending of, of training camp? Yeah, yeah. I think a couple places where you've seen some good play from uh, the pass rush have been uh, guys like uh, Carl Granison, Tana Passio, and, hey, and Peyton Turner. It's okay, Turner. bro. You can say it. It's, it's, I, I know it. I know it. It's just it's so crazy. He, 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 I, I, that's, that's what I was waiting for. That's exactly what I was waiting for. So, uh, and, and Peyton Turner. And, and, and I say that with a smile because I'm genuinely happy for Peyton Turner. Um, I, I just, he's just one of these dudes that's like, he's such a good dude, like in the mm-hmm. locker room and, and to talk to, and he gives you good stuff and he knows the game super well. He's really smart, all that stuff, but just hasn't been able to be out on the field, whether it's because he was a healthy scratch, which raises questions of like, are you in shape? Right. Like, are you, what, like, what's going on? Even when we were at the senior bowl and we spoke with Jeff Ireland, the two things that he highlighted about him was that we needed him to be available. We needed him to not be injured and we needed him to be, we needed him to be in shape. Mm. And those are the things that, that he mentioned, like just straight up. And so I think that when you come out of that into this offseason, the very same offseason, that's kind of a, 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 what do you call it, like a shot across yeah, the bow or whatever. Yeah, of like letting him know, like, we see you. You know what I mean? And, and I think he's responded really well to that. We've had seven days of training camp so far. John and I have either written or typed his name every single practice mm. so far. And so it's not just a situation where he's flashed, you know, on you know, every other Tuesday or whatever. Right. It's that he's showing up consistently every day now he's not winning every single rep or anything like that but no one does um and so i I do think that he's done a lot in the run game he's done a lot in the pass game uh, as a pass rusher and so we just want to see that continue because always and and y'all know this better than anybody what always happens every single training camp is that the guys that have been around for a couple years start out really fast Mm -hmm. and then those younger guys close that gap about yeah. the second, third week, fourth week of training camp, when they start to pick up the playbook, when they start to get you know comfortable in their right. system, and so can he keep that distance? I think is the big thing that you're looking for. So those three in particular have been good. I, I didn't mention Isaiah Foskey, but it, it, I, I want to clarify that it's because he's learning a new position. He's mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean that they're like moving him to you know slot right. corner or anything like that. I just mean you know he 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 was a guy that was kind of a a two uh, like like a two point stance yes. edge rusher 
during his time at Notre Dame. Now he's kind of yeah. been moved inside on a three-point stance, or not moved inside, but moved to the side. Right. Yeah. Kind of a three-point stance, run-stopping, like four-eye uh, yeah. technique. And so he's lining up over that inside shoulder of the mm-hmm. tackle, and that's kind of been his run-stop focus. That's what they really want to see him continue yeah. to develop. They know he can rush the passer. They want to see if he can develop as a run-stopper. So I just want to highlight that. Like I didn't mention him. That That's why. Um, and then the defensive interior has been pretty impactful too, especially guys like Nathan Shepard. And we're seeing more and more flashes from Brian Brzee as well. He had a great interior move. Uh, it was kind of like an interior swim move over a guard uh, rushing down, like right up the middle on Derek Carr, forced an errant throw by Derek Carr that almost got picked off by Pete Werner. That combination of plays is exactly why interior pressure is so important. Huge. That's why yeah. the Saints went against the grain when it came to defensive tackles and went for a guy like Brian Brzee because he can he can provide that. Right, right. I also wanted to ask you about Jake Hayner, man. Like, is this something mm-hmm. I've been keeping an eye on? Uh, I've been watching every clip I could find on YouTube, Twitter, and everything. And, man, the dude just looked comfortable, man. Like, the ball's coming out. He has a nice, like, compact stance. Um, yes. Ball comes out quick. There's a suddenness to his game that, I, you know, reminds me of Drew Brees. Not saying he's Uh-oh. Drew Brees. But it just right. has yeah. like, just the way they play. Yeah. And you kind of got to play like that when you're that size. Right. Yep. Um. How's he really looking? Like, is he? Does he look like somebody that could develop into a, you know, a QB two, a backup quarterback, maybe a, a spot starter? Just from what you're seeing right now, compared to, say, some of the other other backup quarterbacks they had back in the past, the younger quarterbacks that they try to develop. Yeah, those quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and I'll just be real. Like, you know, Jake Hayner is. Heads, head and shoulders above guys like Ian Book and Garrett Grayson and some of those younger guys they brought in and tried to develop. Um, I don't know if that was – I don't know if that those were just like Sean guys and, and that wasn't really his position in terms of drafting and stuff like that and identifying the, that talent mm-hmm. or whatever. But like those guys didn't pan out. And I think one of the reasons – one of the things that's so different about Jake is – you know, you mentioned that 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 like tight throwing motion right. that he has. He gets the ball mm-hmm. out so quickly, and a part of him getting the ball out so quickly isn't just the the motion. It's his mental processing. It's mm-hmm. I I know where I'm going with the ball. Boom. Right? There's no hesitation. Um, Ian Book, we would watch him a lot of times, and That's he would huge. just feel pressure when pressure wasn't there, Uh-oh. and he would scramble. You know, what I mean, we watched it all that you know, that Senior Bowl that we were at. He did that that yeah. entire Senior Bowl. I don't know if he ever threw a pass during Senior Bowl practices. We were there that year. And so now you're looking at a guy like Jake Hayner who just plays the game differently, who has been working with Derek Carr as his mentor for years and years and years. Derek Carr said he gives his phone number to every single Fresno State quarterback after him. And Jake Hayner is the one that's used it the most. Mm. Um, And so, you know, those two have been such a big or or rather Derek Carr has been such a big part of Jake Hayner's journey. And now they're teammates, which is a really cool story, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Jake's favorite quarterback growing up was Drew Brees. His favorite team growing up was the New Orleans Saints. So it's, you know, you look at his throwing motion, the stuff that you said to where he's got like those little intricacies that kind of remind you of Drew. It makes perfect sense because that's the guy that he watched growing up right, and he right, replicated right. his game after. So it's exactly why. And I've and always so, said, yeah. I've always said, like, if you're a up-and-coming up, uh, up quarterback and, like, say, I mean, you don't know, say you're not the super athletic, you know, Andy Richardson type. Like I would study the shit out of Drew because he was yeah. so consistent with his consistent, mechanics. It man. was unbelievable. Him, yeah. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, but Drew was you could go to just Google Drew Brees throwing and like every picture 
from like 15 years, it's like the same, same exact emotion. Yeah. And Drew had it's to even same. be that more so than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning just because yep. of the stature. Like, like they, exactly. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning had like a little margin of error. If they weren't like perfect, they could maybe over overcome it with their height and their how big mm-hmm. they were. Drew didn't have that option, bro. Like, I remember going to my first Saints game and seeing Drew. Man, was my first Saints game the 49ers? Playoff game? That might be my, my first. Oh, no. no it wasn't. Oh, that was no. not my first Saints game. Right? And you went back? <laughs> no, that was not my first Saints game. My first Saints game was uh, the four, against the Falcons, uh, the, the Katrina year, where uh, ah. they Falcons missed the field goal, but the Saints had a like holding penalty on the field goal attempt and they mm-hmm. kicked. That was my introduction to like in-person Saintdom, and here we are. But just seeing yeah. Drew in person play, it was just like, like what? Like they allow him out out here, like on the field? Like yeah. it was just a it's a it was a crazy thing to see. But have you? I'll, I'll say this, and I'll I'll ask like this follow up question with Jake Hayner. Then I had a question about the offensive line. Do you mm-hmm. think? And obviously, preseason is going to play a huge factor into it. Could he potentially show enough where they feel like he's ready for the quarterback to position? this season and maybe they see if, if Jameis can be traded um, elsewhere for a team that may need like a veteran quarterback presence for whatever reason. It, it, it's interesting, right? That that could potentially pop off. We've watched the saints be on the opposite side mm-hmm. of that. The year that they traded for Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater yeah. had that great preseason, um, you know, right. and they had Sam Darnold and all these other things. And then the saints had like Tom Savage and somebody else. Oh, and so they traded for, yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. And so that's why they traded for Teddy Bridgewater. You and me, both, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> and then a year later, Teddy Bridgewater goes five and zero in, in their system. Yeah, you know, right. and so you know the Saints could be on the opposite side of that, or, or have something like that happen on, on the opposite side of it, where if Jake Hayner outperforms or performs really well, and I think that, and, and by the way, just to kind of like blend these two things together, I think where Jake Hayner is and the, the way that I see him is like a top end QB two. Right. He's, yeah. you know, you, you look at Chase Daniel, you look at the, you know, Mark Brunel, you look at Luke McCown, you look at these guys that have been behind Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, right? You look at these guys that were behind Drew Brees and that, you know, where the clipboard guy that when the defense was on the field, they're going through the photos together and they're looking at things. Jake Hayner and Derek Carr literally look at defenses and talk mm. about defenses and have mm. a shared language that's mm. 100% the same. You know, because that's that's yeah. the guy that's been teaching them. Right. And so if you're going to have you know, what's better than one Derek Carr, maybe two Derek Carrs. And so you get that mind right mentally that can kind of kind of have that out with them. And so I think that, you know, you see a team out there that maybe is in need of a quarterback or maybe there's an injury or something like that. Right. You know, how comfortable are the Raiders really with their quarterback situation or something that? Yeah, like if the right price comes along, it, it could make a ton of sense. But but I think you're right. I think the preseason has a big bearing on that but nonetheless in 2024 i think he's your qb2 mm. like yeah, far and away, away he's your qb2 and then Jameis moves on hopefully to another opportunity right uh following up my question with the offense have we seen the last of andres pete <laughs> i don't think we've seen the last of him um <laughs> but i will tell you this that i think is really interesting um anytime that we see trevor penning and I don't care if it's individual drills, if it's first team reps, if it's, you know, what, whatever it is, right? Whenever we see Trevor Penning, it's always James Hurst to his right. It's always James Hurst at left guard. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about even if you see Trevor Penning working on, you know, pass sets where he's going from, uh, you know, his hand in the dirt yeah. to, uh, you know, getting his hands up yeah. and, and being ready. 
James Hurst is at his right on his right side doing that with him. Never Andrews Pete. Mm. So what mm. I'm what I'm really curious about, and this is and I'm talking about this is before the the quad strain too. Like we've yeah. watched this all camp so far. Even if Andrews Pete's been on a ramp up, he can stand next to Trevor Penning right. and put his hands up. You know what I mean? Like they can work on hand placement together and everything like that. And, and I don't know if it's because James Hurst has the left tackle experience. And so it's a little bit of like a mirroring exercise to where Trevor Penning's working with somebody that played left tackle last year mm-hmm. in the same system and what it is that he's doing. Or if it's like, hey, get comfortable with this guy standing next to you because right. he's going to be standing next to you. Mm. So I'm really interested to see what that is indicative yeah. of by the time that we get into the season. But I will say this, that with Andrews Pete missing time, James Hurst has gotten a lot of those left guard reps. And the thing that I keep saying is that if James Hurst shows the Saints that he is starter quality at left guard and Andrews Pete's still dealing with injury concerns, they Pete. should listen to what James Hurst is telling them. Right. And I don't think that. And and so, you know, we'll see if that ends up happening or or how long um, Andrews Pete misses with that quad train. It's been two two practices already. We'll see if he's back out there uh, this weekend. But it's you know the longer that he's out, I think the more opportunity James Hurst gets to say, hey, this is my spot now. Exactly. And look, even if you think Pete is a better player than James Hurst, availability, man, availability is such a big part of it. So that plays such a huge part in the evaluation. So. I'm keeping my eye on that. I find that extremely fascinating, fascinating. especially considering uh, Pete taking a pay cut this offseason and mm-hmm. basically on his like last year deal. Yeah, he accelerated the end of his yeah. contract and all exactly. that. Like, That's going to be fascinating over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and remember too, like also they didn't pick up Cesar Ruiz's fifth year option, so both yeah. of those guards mm-hmm. are Creative. potentially on their way How's out after looking? this year. How's so, Cesar been? Caesar Ruiz had Caesar had one of the best run blocks that I've seen in all training camp. Mm. Um, mm. I can't remember who it was on, uh, but it doesn't matter because they don't have a number anymore. <laughs> he he laid out whoever that was. I can't remember who it was, but he put that dude in the dirt. Bullying works, and uh, and so I, I yeah, and so I think he's just got a lot of confidence. You know how it is, right? You have an injury. There's the physical part of returning, and then there's the mental yep. part of returning of being comfortable with your body. And Cesar Ruiz has just shown 100% that, like, he's very, very comfortable. Like, we asked him, how does it feel to be out of the boot? And the first thing he talked about was, you know, his Jordans. Like, yeah, yeah I got my Jordans back on. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, and so, you know, he has just made sort of that mental recovery already. Yeah. And I think that plays such a big part in your game as somebody that's able to come back right. there. And you know how the Liz Frank injuries are, too. Like, once, especially when it's a complete break. Um, once that's kind of healed, it's almost stronger than it was before. So mm. I think that's why a lot of guys have some. Uh, I don't want to say stronger than it was before, but it feels better mm. than it than it you know does. And so like that's why you see a lot of guys come back from those Liz Frank injuries and have especially clean breaks and have a lot of confidence in mm. that injury as they move forward. Taysom Hill last year is a good example of that. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I, that, that, that's right. Taysom did have the... The, the same in, or the injury prior season before he just came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. last back, last like, game of the previous yeah. season. Yes, a, a mutant, an absolute mutant of a player. Dude's wild. But you brought man. you brought him up. Like, I, I, how does he fit into this offense? Because I, I, I my, me and Ryan have been raining up, and we just we have no idea how he fits into this offense. Do I taste him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's still under center. I mean, we're seeing a lot of these second team snaps tech second team drills if you will i struggle to say that because they've really been mixing up like gotcha. first team second team third team conventions kind of gotten thrown out and you're seeing mm. like rashid jaheed play with jake hayner in the third team snaps gotcha. and, and, and stuff like that which i think has value uh but you know when it comes to Taysom hill like we're watching him and Jameis most of the time alternate reps at quarterback during the second team team periods mm. and so i think that that's his spot i think that that's where they keep using him and look they're gonna say all this stuff about how they want to utilize him at you know receiver more and all those other things and i'm, I'm sure that's true i'm sure that they do want yeah. to do that but we all know where it is that Taysom hill mostly you know is able to impact the game most reliably yeah. it's and it's as a runner from under center, right. particularly in those short yarded situations. And, and and I don't think that that's going to change. I think he'll continue to be there. I know a lot of uh, Raiders fans who have found their way over to Saints podcasts and stuff like that have kind of questioned like, whoa, whoa wait, they're going to take the ball out of Derek Carr's hands and put it in Taysom Hills. It's like they took the ball out of Drew Brees' hands and put it in yeah, Taysom Hills. Right. They will take it out of anybody's right. hands and put it in Taysom Hills because Taysom can do things that neither of these guys can do. And that's exactly what uh, one of the things that, you know, uh, Derek Carr said at one point was like, look, I, I can't do the things that Taysom can do. So I'm happy to share the field with him and have him come in and kind of run those plays and things like that, because Taysom's not running. I mean, I'm sorry, Derek Carr's not running a QB power anytime soon. No. And so I, I think you see all of that from Taysom that that's probably still going to be his his role. And no amount of tight ends being added to the the roster, I think, is going to change that because none of them can step into that role right. in particular. But I do think that getting him involved. I'm talking about once or twice a game, get him a target right, in the passing game. I think that that does enough for you to yes. where as a defense, you have to honor that when he's in the huddle. Exactly. And look, I mean, speaking of Taysom Hill as a runner, I mean, he did average with like six yards per carry. It's wild. Mm-hmm. But then you add in Jamal Williams, mm, Yep. you know, uh, invigorated Alvin Kamara mm. and the young gun, Keandre Miller. Mm. Could this running game like really be a serious Ooh. thing, man? Like, what are you seeing as far as the run game? Yeah, I think so. And and look, I, I think the Saints' defense has played really well against the run, so this kind of skews a little bit. You're kind of trying to project, okay, if they weren't going against a good run defense, what would have happened there? Are they're, they they're really disciplined defense, in their run fits. So I think that was a big question. They've, they've yeah, they've shown well throughout training okay. camp. They're in position. It's it's so hard to evaluate. Right. You know, it, ain't, ain't, it can't hit nobody. Right. And so you can to the ground. Yeah. Right. right, right. Like you can be you can be in position all you want, but if you don't make that tackle, you don't make that tackle. tackle right. right. And that's that's unfortunately the truth that we learn weeks one through mm-hmm. like four in yep. the NFL, where <laughs> every running right. back goes wild. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, but what I will say is that, you know, for the Saints run game on the offensive side, I think what you're seeing is a lot of versatility. Jamal Williams has slimmed down. He went from 230 down to about 217. 
Uh, some of that's the New Orleans heat. Uh, and then the other p- bit of it, you know, any other bit of it is that he's preparing for a more multiple role, kind of something more akin to what he did in Green Bay when he was the change of pace back for Aaron Jones back then. Mm-hmm. And so he's, you know, catching passes. He's running, you know, outside. They're running stretch runs with him. They're running stretch runs with Kendra. They're running these guys up the middle. They're, they're doing everything with them, which is very different than, you know, I shared that, I shared that run chart last year of Alvin Kamara's runs in like October or, 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 or November or whatever it was. And it was just all so condensed. It was like, what are you doing? Like we know oh, who Alvin it, Kamara it is. It was so frustrating <laughs> to see that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I think when you get these guys that kind of have this versatility to where you can put them on the field and say, okay, yes, you can run up the middle, but also you can do all these other things that helps to kind of discuss it. It's the Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray effect, right? Like you didn't really know just because they were on the field that it was going to be a run because they, they worked them into the passing game so much, much. even though before they were in new Orleans, they weren't really passing. They weren't pass, you know, receiving guys. And so I think you'll see that same thing with Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. And that's going to help to open up that run game a little bit. Because you think about just from a schematic standpoint, if you've got, let's say you're in the red zone and you've got Taysom Hill under center, and let's say you've got Jamal Williams in the backfield, we'll throw Jimmy Graham in just for fun uh, as an inline tight end. We'll say Michael Thomas is on the outside, and then maybe it's a 12 personnel. So you've got maybe Jawan Johnson and maybe Chris Olave on the outside. Each one of these guys is a red zone threat Man. in their own way. Yeah. And so if you, Ooh, if you uh-oh, have. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> so, so if you have like Taysom in the shotgun and then Jamal Williams on his right hip and then you take that snap and then you have the ability to run that power, right. that QB power, or you have the ability to fake that QB power and then go over the top to the back of the end zone because you pulled those linebackers down or you pulled those safeties down or whatever. Or you have a you know fullback that's in, maybe you go 21 personnel, and so you take Juwan Johnson out, but then you put, let's just say Adam Prentice for now, although he's got competition this offseason, and Jake mm. Vargas. Uh, let's just say it's Adam Prentice, though. Um, you, know, you start him out in the slot for no reason. And then motion oh, him across, people, which you I see all the time. For, I was waiting for it. Yeah, waiting you, for know it. What you said the M word. I was motion. <laughs> motion. What's that? <laughs> and you motion him across as he crosses behind Taysom Hill. He snaps the ball. Everybody expects oh. power to the right side, and he's going to follow the fullback. But Jamal Williams goes to the outside, right to the left side, options. on the weak side of it all, the back side of the play. And so you have all these options, or you fake that power, and then you go to somebody in the back of the end zone, or right. you just run the damn thing right. and. Let Taysom Hill do what he does, and so that's what I really look at. But look, I'm going to clip that what you just said. Clip it. I'm going to send it to you, and you go Uh to Pete Carmichael. (laughs) Playing for him, bro. Just happy keys to this. Can you do that? I promise. I promise you. If if I've thought of it, they've thought of it. (laughs) Are you sure? Like, I don't know, bro. I don't know. We watched every game last year on Zoom. I would see if they it, haven't. Bro. If they haven't thought of it, it's fine. Just, just, just cut me the check. Cut, cut, just cut me the check. <laughs> just a little. Me. Just a little check. <laughs> yeah, I don't need a salary. I don't. Yeah. I just send me a royalty. Yeah, if you, if send I, me, if you send me, just play you know, the game. Just, just give me a, a small percentage, and we good. We good. We're moving on. That's it. I'll take six figures, and I'll be <laughs> after that. Don't even worry about. It. No, that's right. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> no, that's right. Um. One one thing about this training camp that's been like the story, especially defensively of this training camp, who mm-hmm. is going to win the starting cornerback two role? It's, it's, a, mm. it's a highlight yeah. that Ryan and I talked about even before training camp started. And 
I'm asking, I'm putting Ross Jackson on the spot. On the spot. I know training camp's not over. I know there's not even mm-hmm. preseason games. Who is the week one starter opposite Marshawn Lattimore? I've been saying it from before training camp, and I'll stand by it. It's it's Paul Sanadiba. It's Paul Sanadiba. And and I know I know people are in love with Alante Taylor and everything. As well you should. The dude's a dog. I mean, he's outstanding. Uh, but look, Paul Sanadiba has and here's what I'll say. Paul Sanadiba has outplayed Alante Taylor so far. As the outside corner, That's big. But remember, what we were, remember what we were just talking about earlier too, right? He's got one more year of experience. Uh, Alante Taylor didn't really get a training camp last year because he was dealing with injury. Right. This is kind Good of point. his first full training camp. Although he left early with hamstring tightness on Thursday, we'll see if he's or on Wednesday, we'll see if he's back out there this weekend. Um, but so there is that gap for Alante Taylor to close, and this is where I this is where I get really excited because I love these competitions, mm, yes. and I know Dennis Allen loves this competition. This competition in particular, he drafted yeah. Alante Taylor to yeah. to to compete with Paul Sieber to like wreck him right. and be like, all right, go out there and get better. Right. Uh, not that he needed it, but you wanted to see that push. And so what we've seen so far is Paul Sieber has been outstanding mm. over the course of camp. Whether it's one on ones, whether it's you know in team drills, which I think are more important than the one on ones. Absolutely, but, I, love and when it, a D- I love it. Yeah, you know, like when a DB wins a one on one, though, like there's something to do that because it's so weighted oh, I, against yes, that player. Yes, 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 exactly. You know, and so so there there is highlight in that. But I, I think Paulson's done a really good job so far defending. He's you know gotten in the midst of some of those quick slants that they're trying to run to Michael Thomas, being able to knock them away, a la. Marshawn Lattimore, who hasn't hasn't allowed a single one of those types of catches so far. I think he's got like a couple of catches, maybe one catch that he's allowed in team drills. It's crazy, but he <laughs> keeps taking away those quick slants, which are super hard to take away. And Paul yeah. Sinibo is doing the same thing. Paul Sinibo getting in and you know mucking up some of the passing plays and messing up some of the timing, being physical at the line of scrimmage, all the things that you love to see from him. Uh, but the good news is either. Paul Sanadibo runs away with this all throughout camp, which means that he really earns right. that number yeah. one spot. Or Alante Taylor gains enough ground and exceeds the expectation mm. of being able to catch up and pass up Paul Sanadibo and therefore earns the starting role on the outside. And either way, in either of those situations, somebody wins, wins the role right. as opposed to losing the role. And that's how the New Orleans Saints get better outside at the outside corner opposite Marshall Latimer. Uh, precisely. Exactly. Mm. And look, I mean, it speaks to something about uh, Paulson Adebo's just football character, or whatever. Because even going back to his rookie year, I'll never forget his first game against the Falcons. He gets burned by, was it, um, uh, was it Yep, sure was. Cordero. Was it Cordero? Yeah. Patterson, Cordero Patterson. Then he comes back later that year. Last game. And last, he picks yeah. the ball off. Last game of the season. Picks the ball off and he totally dominates. So it just speaks to something about his football characters. Like, look, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, don't count me out. I'm going to keep grinding. He, you know, came in last year with the injury, you know, trying to do his best. So, I mean, look, I love to see it, bro. Like, I, I, like me personally, I was rooting for Alante to win it. But, like, if Debo wins it and he really, wins really it, wins right. it, hey, all I can do is give love and props, man. And, yeah. it just like you said, it just makes the whole team better because you have – but then the question goes, who's that nickel? Because it mm-hmm. seems to be Roby. At that nickel spot. Yeah, we, we saw a lot of Alante Taylor, or we, we started to see a lot of Alante in the slot on oh, Wednesday okay. because because Bradley Roby was out, which I assume oh. was a veteran day. Uh, DA's been really, really transparent about 
this person was out because of injury. This yeah. person left with injury. This person left with injury and stuff like that. So if he doesn't say anything, I, we, we just kind of assume and we're pretty sure it's veteran rest. Mm. And then sometimes we'll ask depending on the player too. Like we always ask about like Ryan Ramchek and Jimmy Graham and stuff like that. <laughs> but with, um, with Roby, you know, he wasn't there. And, and so Alante started to play a lot in the slot. So we got to see 23, 29, and oh, one all in the field together. I need it. And, I need and, it. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's when the hamstring tightness hit. Uh, which really right. stinks, but you know, what I'm saying so, like we 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 finally got it. We right. were like, oh, here it, is. here it is, and then and then unfortunately, and and I get it. Like the Saints doing what they did a lot last year, they're doing it again this year. To where somebody walks up and says, "Hey, you know, my shoulder hurts." They're like, "Great, go sit down. Like, don't don't make it worse. Don't try to play through it. Unless it's like go you're, sit. You're, you're back yeah. and you're the starting quarterback, but." <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. I'm talking about, I'm talking about oh, training camp. camp. I'm talking about no, training camp. Sorry, sorry. I'm talking about training camp. But so, you know, I, I, so I understand why they're like, okay, well, you know, go, go, go get that looked at, go get taken care of and everything. But I, I was really looking forward to seeing a lot of Alante oh, in the slot that day. Man. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we get another opportunity to see that. So when we spoke to Alante the other day, we, he kind of expressed that he feels a lot more comfortable in that slot role. Now, when we talked to him during mm. OTAs, minicamp, stuff like that, he was like, ah, you know, I'm an outside corner. I'm losing <laughs> a lot in the slot, like all this other stuff. Mm. And then this time around, he was like, all right, I feel like I'm losing a lot less, which I know probably doesn't sound like much, but it's progress, right? You're just trying to track oh, the yeah. progress as you go through. Right. And this is a position the guy's never played before. He played like 40 right. slot snaps in his entire collegiate career at Tennessee. And then the only time that he played in the slot last year is when he was motioned via the game plan into the slot, but always started out as an outside corner. And so I think that now as he's kind of getting a little bit more involved in it, he's got, you know, he's liking, he likes the comfort of having a little bit more help uh, in the middle, um, likes being more involved in the run game. He loves to hit. So I think that like those things are there. So he's got the want, he's got the wherewithal to be able to get it done. I think the next piece of it is just that, can he develop the, just let the, the, you know, the, the requisite, you know, uh, talent to be able to hold that slot position down on a consistent basis game in and game out. It's awesome, man. Like, man, we're going through the whole roster at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I guess my last thing, my last thing, the kicker battle. Yes. Um, Can you handicap it at this point or just got to yeah, see how it plays out through the preseason? Yeah, I think I think preseason will probably tell us a lot, but I think Will right. Lutz is still still has his comfortable lead there. You know, I I think that there there is legitimate battle. You know, and and right now, if I remember correctly, uh, I'm trying to remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I think it's Lutz is like 19 of 20 or something like that, and um and Groupie is like 18 of 19. So it's literally okay. like one one what, kick one. each that they missed. Right, and the one kick that Will Lutz missed was okay. outdoors, 57 yards. Uh, and then the one that Groupie missed was indoors. I think it was like forty-four yards or something mm. like that. So, so that can factor. You know that that well, might mean something yeah. to you too, right? And right. so, um, so I think there is legitimate competition there. But I think that Will Lutz is a very comfortable lead uh, as the incumbent guy. I guess it's like Ty right. goes to the runner, as Dennis Allen said. Uh, yeah. But, but I do think too that what we're seeing in terms of Will Lutz's consistency could be being aided by having that competition. So I think the goal and the purpose of the competition is still, is still showing. I have one more Saints related. And then I have an, another one that's completely not Saints related. Cause I think our, our listeners want to hear it, but my last Saints related one is just the conclusion. 
in regards to Dennis Allen's head coaching record, he hasn't had a winning season as a head mm-hmm. coach. Can this team, with its talent and its depth, potentially overcome any shortcomings that they may have at, at, at head coach to be a playoff team? I think that if there is a team that is going to give them the best chance at that, and and I'll be honest, let me just say it straight up. I think that this team gives Dennis Allen his best chance of finally getting that winning season. Yes. And, and, and I don't really even mean that this would be the last team that gives him the opportunity. Therefore, right. it's the best chance that he's got. I mean, if you look at the teams that he's had in the past and you look yeah. at this team, this team is a better team, I think, yes. on paper. Sorry to do the on has, paper has, thing has, to you. Hashtag on paper. paper. Yeah, on paper. Uh, but we have to acknowledge that you know we're talking about on paper, we're not talking about on field yet. Right. And so, um, but I do think that this team with uh, a defense that let's let's pull it back a little bit and say should be top ten in the NFL, um, and a quarterback that he trusts, a quarterback that likes to be aggressive, a quarterback mm-hmm. that wants to go out there and wants to be put on the field. Like if you get the option of a fourth and one from your own thirty with Derek Carr as your quarterback. Derek Carr is going to do everything he can to go out there and try to get that one yard, mm-hmm. um, even if he's got to go and get it himself. So he will be kind of like what we used to see with with Drew, to where he would fight yeah. to be on the field. With Russell right, Wilson, yeah. where he fights to be on the field. Tom Brady fighting to be on the field. Derek Carr has that same same thing. It's not to say that Jameis doesn't, but I do think that it's a, it's a similar or it's a small key difference between Derek Carr and maybe some of the other quarterbacks that they have seen. Andy Dalton wasn't yeah. about to fight for a fourth and one. That wasn't about to happen. <laughs> What was he gonna like, do? What? No, my you know what I'm he's like, yeah, just, go ahead, just, Will. That's all you, bro. That's all you. Go with play. I'm gonna right. play. You got it. Go with God. Y'all are good. Fourth and one. Have fun. But oh. like, Derek Carr's gonna fight to be on the field for that. So I do so think that, that other creates question, a little bit of aggression. Saints related. Your journey. If you just give mm-hmm. our listeners who's just inspired, you know that what you've been able to do in your career, what you've been able to become, being a credential. Um, credential member of the media covering the Saints, living in New Orleans, living in California, you've done things in the entertainment industry. What is the very quick, um, oh, what are those things we used to do? Uh, quip, uh, cliff notes. Kids don't even know what cliff notes mm-hmm. are anymore. They're like, what, are, what, 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 are <laughs> what is the cliff notes Ross Jackson story of how you've been, you've been able to become and accomplish what you have thus far in your career? Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll do my best here. Uh, and thank you for this question. It's so nice to like just be asked about myself. Uh, <laughs> um, I was a or am uh, a born and raised New Orleanian that had a passion for sports where opportunity never met the passion. Mm-hmm. And then I eventually found a space where opportunity and passion did meet. That was in the entertainment industry when I worked in theater. Um, but even as I was working in theater and I was doing things like, you know, repertory theater and you know regional theaters and smaller stuff when i was living in arkansas at the time post katrina because i got pushed out by katrina um when i went to grad school for theater and for stage management which was my role i didn't act but i did a lot of the backstage stuff i was producerial and so um even when going to grad school i went to grad school out in california with this little thing in the back of my mind going all right well if you get an opportunity to like pa for espn you know, LA or something like that, or Fox sports in LA or something like that. Like that's what you're actually going to go and do. You're going to leave this theater stuff behind. Um, and that never happened. 
but Broadway did, Off-Broadway did, national tours Man. did. I got to do some incredible stuff and work with some incredible people. It's one of the reasons wow. why I have all the patience uh, that I have because I've watched the greatest actors fail over and over and over and over again until they don't fail anymore. Man. So maybe it's a part of where like my patience comes in for watching practices and, and like tracking yeah. progress and stuff like that. Um, and then I got an opportunity, man. Like, uh, there was one guy, Tyler McClatchy, who I owe everything to, um, wrote something on the new Orleans saints subreddit uh, about how he wanted to start a blog and needed some writers. And there was a particular person in that group that said, you'll never find good people for free. So I said to hell with you, I'm good and I'll do it for free. Um, and I did it and I fell in love with it. My first piece that I ever wrote was about how the saints rebirth kind of um aligned with my own mm. um, of coming out of homelessness and you know katrina because i was homeless before katrina and then i was is i don't know if there's such thing as mega homeless but then i was mega homeless after katrina and then i but then when things started to go right for me and my mom things started going right for new orleans and steve gleason and all these other things and so even when i wasn't in new orleans i was running on the same trajectory as new right. orleans mm. and so it gave me an opportunity as a writer, which I did a little bit of journalism in college, but nothing important. Um, I, I, that was my opportunity to be able to reconnect with my city while I was in California, as you mentioned. And then um, started doing some podcasting with them. And then one day, David Locke, who's the founder, CEO, president, whatever, of, uh, of, of Locked On. He hates all of those titles, so I never know what to call him. And so um, uh, he called me up one day and said, hey, would you be willing to do what you do, but do it five days a week? And like we were talking about before we started recording, I just say yes to stuff. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then either it works or it doesn't work. Like if it doesn't work, it's not the end of my life. Right. And, um, and, and turns out it wasn't the end of my life, but it was the beginning of a whole new life. It, it gave me the opportunity to be able to come home. Um, I'm in this beautiful house. Like this is my first night in this new house. Uh, this is the first time I've wow. lived in a house for 20 years. Mm. I've lived in trailers and cars and apartments. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, I mean that's the journey, and 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 as far as I'm concerned, it's only the beginning. Um, oh hell yeah! And I, like, yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful I get to share bro, it with you, bro. Like I see you, like I watch you, and I'm like, <laughs> this dude has so far to go. He doesn't even realize it yet. <laughs> like, he doesn't even realize bro. yet, man. It, it's crazy. Thank y'all, man. I really um, appreciate it. Did you go to Did you go to Noka when you were in New Orleans? Uh, like in high school and stuff. Did you do no? No, no, I didn't. I didn't make it to. Uh, I didn't make it to high school. Uh, Katrina. So I dropped out of school when I was thirteen after my dad left. Oh, okay. So I I wasn't in school. One, and then once Katrina came through and everything, that ended up pushing us out. I got yeah. back into school after Katrina because they were just letting people in school. They were yeah. just like, take this placement test, whatever. Like, just come in. And then so I just like took a placement test and I got back in. But I was a I was a middle school dropout man. Like. I didn't finish That's learning crazy. how to read until I was in college. Like that just like it just goes to like and this is just a life lesson. This is like beyond like beyond football, beyond mm-hmm. anything like it the, it doesn't have to be the end of your story. Like if you're listening right. to this, if you're going through a hard time, it could be whatever it is, right? Homelessness, addiction, whatever it is that you're experiencing in your personal life, it, it does not have to be like the end of your story. Like there's the story can continue. And, you know, Ross is just a, like an inspiration and like an actual, like a testament to that. And it, it's amazing, man. Like, 
Thank to, you. to hear your story, to hear, to hear you being so open and honest with us, it's it's a privilege, it's an honor for you to, you know, tell it tell it to us and also tell it to our, our listeners on our podcast. Um, we talked about it at the beginning of just how awesome this moment is of like all the melatonin on this podcast, mm-hmm. and we're co- we're talking about the Saints, we're, we're laughing, we're having fun, and it's wild, man. It, it, it's it's a wild thing, and we are so grateful and thankful that you that you came on and and topped it up with us. And like, we have to make this a more regular thing. Like, it can't be like three plus years where this is the first time <laughs> it's happening. Don't don't do uh, that, bro. Ross gonna be looking like that Popeyes lady, bro. Just like I need a break, man. Like, come on, man. <sighs> <laughs> I'm fighting for my life. life out but uh when we we're, we'll be out there um in November for the Bears meetup man please know Dope. that the 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 invitation for you to meet us at the at the meetup and and just chop it up with us as we as we party before the Bears game it's an it's an open invitation man thank you um man. we'd love to have you there and just just and, and thank you for you know for supporting us like I know numerous people they they've said that they they, they came to our podcast because you like it was a mention that you said on your podcast one of our All the time. biggest one of our biggest supporters london we had the you know we had the west coast brunch at mastro's last weekend yeah and we were kind of going around the table of how everyone kind of came up with our podcast and london said it was it was because of ross like he had said something yep. about you know stp on on his pod and he gave us a chance and and now he was you know he was sitting at the table with us and you know, London's like extended family. You know, he's from yeah. Hawaii and now he's London's di- dope. Di- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, London's a cool ass dude. But no, truly from the bottom of our hearts, man, like like thank you. Thank you for supporting us and thank you for, for giving giving us a little shout out and love here and there. And it it, it means it means the world to us, like truly. Absolutely. It, it's it's a pleasure, guys. Like just I mean I don't know. I I'm at a loss for words about like how meaningful all this is to me at the moment, but like <laughs> I, the way that I've always seen it is I, there's nothing worth having if you can't share it. And, mm, but at the same time, up. it's worth, but at the same time, like it's worth being selective about where you share. Absolutely. Um, and, and y'all, the, it was never a question. It was never a question. Like I, I will thank always, you. I will always, always support. So I, I appreciate y'all, man. No, man, we, we thank y'all. Thank you for coming on. Uh, anyone watching or listening, I'll be like, y'all just got a treat. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how, else we could say it like right. y'all just got a like treat if you like if you didn't pay attention to anything from training camp and you just listen to this you good like you ain't got to follow no Cover. tweets you don't have to read no Cover, articles bro. you no, good. But, but please read the please read ross's and, and john's articles give yeah. them the click read them. please don't listen to but for real ross thank you for coming on man um we will have we got we got to have you on sometime during the during the regular season. You 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 have to come through at our our meetup. We'll give you the information later. We can't put yes, that please. on the airways. You have too many people popping up. That's <laughs> that ain't supposed to be there. But no, we appreciate it, man. Thank y'all for listening. Check out Ross on Locked On Saints. He does like daily shows. Check out his work in terms of his articles on Sports Illustrated. Also check out John Hendricks' work on Sports Illustrated. Yes. John. Super cool ass dude, dope Super. as hell. Um, we appreciate y'all. We'll let you go now. Um, thank you so much. We'll be back next week. And with that, we're out. Peace.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.